Evidence and Answers. Today we're going to listen to the second part of a message given by Musab Youssef. Musab is the eldest son of one of the founders of the terrorist group Hamas. Last week he shared how he came out of Hamas and came to Christ. Now he presents a very important message regarding the true nature of Islam and how we must meet this imminent threat to the church but also to our nation. So join me now as we listen to the second part of his message. Who were the victims of this entire game? Media, TV, everyone who watched the TV, my family, the Israeli army, Israeli politicians, and almost everybody except few people in the intelligence. Just to live that type of experience, I ask myself every time I see something on TV, is this what's really happening or something else? That was a big deal. That was just to move an army like this, this would cost millions of dollars, just to let you know. That's not an easy thing. I was safe. I became fugitive who escaped the grip of the Israeli army and intelligence. And this gave me a huge title in Hamas. And I became wanted and I needed help. So where I hang out, I hang out with all Hamas wanted people. We exposed all their locations, and we worked to the core of the movement during that time. Finally, I got tired, and I asked the Israelis to arrest me just to finish school because I had the last semester at university and I needed to move on in my life. I was arrested for six months as a prize for arresting many terrorists and suicide bombers and all type of Palestinian terrorists, Fatah, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, and many others. The prize was go to jail and live with everyone that you arrested. <laughs> now, I was okay with that because it was my protection. They're like other part to the game, what we did. One of the suicide bombers that we arrested, we sent him back to Jordan. Originally, all of them came from Jordan to volunteer for the cause of Palestine and for the cause of Allah, we sent one of them back home. Now all his friends in jail, spending 15 years each, and their body in Jordan enjoying Ramadan with his family. Who became suspicious? That person that we sent to Jordan. He carried the whole sins that I had to do. He became suspicious, I was clean. I went to interrogation, I didn't give information about Hamas or its activity. I was the hero in the eyes of Hamas. I was a solid soldier for a terrorist organization that they can rely on and trust and give information. That's intelligence. And I love this type of job. Now, working like this for 10 years, I learned how to create perfect lies. And one of the biggest lies in our world today is Islam. How do you create a perfect lie? I know this is politically incorrect. Do you want me to be politically correct or say the truth? No, no, this is not enough. Say the truth again, please. Louder, please. Amen to that. 
Islam is a lie that is wrapped with liars of truths, facts, and morals. If you want to create a perfect lie, like myself in the past, they had to give me all type of covers to make me look real. And this is the situation in Islam. It is a lie, but there is a huge deception that makes it look real. And today, because of fear, because of ignorance and intimidation, nobody has the courage to touch on this topic. I know that many of us can, but it's considered politically incorrect. And as you see, how much I really care about politically correctness. <laughs> how can we expose Islam? We don't understand Quran, at least I do, but most of us don't understand Quran. In fact, we have 1.5 billion Muslims around the world. Only 300 million of them speak Arabic. Less than 5% of the ones who speak Arabic understand the language of the Quran. It's the classic Arabic that was 1400 years ago. It is not the street language. So now, when they listen to the Quran, they focus on the chanting and the strength of the language so they don't understand what it means. It gives it just sense of holiness and they think that it's from God. I many times say, challenge Muslims, let's translate the Quran to the street language if you dare. It's a book that is not even worth the reading. But I thought of a better idea, much better idea. Because the President of the United States compare the Holy Bible to the Holy Quran. The Old Testament has some violence and the Quran has some violence and everybody has their interpretations. So there is a chance for the Quran and Islam to transform into other things like Judaism in the past became Christianity at some point and it's a peaceful thing. And they watered down the danger that is in the Quran and Islam. Taking advantage that most people are ignorant of the reality of the Quran. It is not the fault of humanity that the majority of us don't understand Arabic. And we are not required to understand the language and study a language to be able to understand that it's a lie. So I thought of a better idea, much easier idea, and it will cut all this discussion and come to the point, and it is the reality. It is the reality of Islam, not the reality that Muslims wish for. The reality of Islam can be understood through the reality of Muhammad. Who is Muhammad regarding to the Islamic resources? A liar. He said that he's a prophet. And I ask Muslims, what is Muhammad's prophecy? The man died and he did not tell one prophecy. Easy. What is his prophecy? There is nothing that is simple or more simple than that. We don't have to go and study Arabic, study the Quran and theology and try to understand the history and everything. He says that he's a prophet. What's his prophecy? 
He doesn't have a prophecy. What is his miracle? The Quran, his miracle, that's it. Or, oh, I forgot about another one. He flew on a donkey. <laughs> I, this, I'm not saying, this is not my narrative. This is in the Islamic book, in the Quran itself. He flew on a donkey from Mecca to Jerusalem. It was dark. <laughs> there are no witnesses. Oh, actually, there is a one witness, and he's a very important witness, the donkey. Okay, this man is a rapist. Oh, a rapist. Are you calling the prophet of, of Allah a rapist? That's blasphemy. Why? He had sex with Aisha, his wife, when she was nine years old. Oh no, that was marriage. Okay, you know, I am ignorant. I don't understand. How about the wife of Kinana, the Jewish tribe leader of Khaybar. Muhammad came to Kinana and he said he needed funds for his military campaigns. The Jews of Khaybar was the biggest Jewish community in the Arab Peninsula. They did not believe in Muhammad and his message. They did not want to believe that he is a prophet. And he hated them for that. Now, they were rich. As usual, we know that our Jewish uh, brothers, you know, they have uh, always records in uh, Nobel Prizes and uh, they're ahead of all of us and we respect them for that. At that time, they were also rich. They had community, they had culture, and Muhammad was not happy with that reality. He came to Kinana for no reason and asked Kinana, give me your treasures. Kinana said, I'm not going to give you that. It's not your right. Muhammad tortured him, and Kinana wouldn't give him information. Finally, killed him. And the end of the day, he slaughtered, like Muslims slaughtered the sheep. This is in the Islamic narrative. In Sahih al-Bukhari, thank God for Google. All of you, please Google this event, and you will find the Islamic resources, not my resources. He slaughtered every man in that community and enslaved every child and every woman. The worst situation that Muhammad that night slept with Kinana's wife. Her name is Safiya, and she was 17 year old at that time. If you ask Muslims, who is Safiya? They say, oh, she is the wife of uh, the Prophet of Allah. God uh, praise his name, or peace be upon him. And you tell them, do you know where she's from? They have no idea, because they are ignorance of their own religion. Safiya is a Jewish widow that Muhammad killed her husband, killed her entire family, and raped her that night with the name of marriage. So yes, we are talking about a rapist. And these are from the most trusted Islamic resources.
a killer. He killed people for a reason and for no reason. And this is the prophet who doesn't have prophecy. Why we go discuss a book that he brought to us? Are we going to fall to this deception? Or are we going to just say it the way it is? Expose Muhammad. You expose Islam. Bottom line. And this is the time that we put Muhammad on a camera. We need to see Muhammad in a movie. Why nobody dares to put him or draw a picture of him? Caricature. Oh, all Muslims are mad in the entire world. So let me tell you about good news. We're almost done writing the screenplay for Muhammad's movie. Pray that God give us the strength, the wisdom, and the boldness to keep going because this is one of my major and main duties, to put Muhammad on a camera. I am taking full responsibility for this project. I want my name to be on it because I think it's an honor for me to expose the face of the devil who has been trying who has been trying to steal the identity of our Christ to replace the bible with the quran we're not going to worry about politically correctness and we should not we should not worry about that or be afraid this is the way for peace. And this is an Islamic project. If they want to come and say, this is blasphemy, we will have all the resources. And I am considered by birth as a Muslim. On my passport, my birth certificate, I'm still a Muslim. And this is an Islamic work, internal Islamic work. It's not a Christian work against Muslims. It's investigation within Islam to bring people to their reality. If this is your identity, and you wanna keep calling yourselves Muslims, then we will have to deal with you in a different way. But I'm telling you that the majority of Muslims will not like that, will not like the real face of Muhammad. I ask a father, what if a 54-year-old man came and asked you to marry your six-year-old daughter? Aisha was the daughter of his best friend, Abu Bakr. Muhammad asked to marry her when she was first six years old. And his friend said, oh, Prophet of Allah, she's very young. She's very young. And he started to cry. So the Prophet of Allah had mercy. He's a merciful man. So he said, okay, I wait three more years when she is nine. Very generous. But during the time, the three years when she was his fiance, he had lots of adventures with her and she wrote about them. She wrote in Sahih al-Bukhari how he came to the neighborhood when she was playing with Muhammad's daughter, Zainab, and took her from her arm while she had no idea where she was going to his bed with the name of marriage. I'm sorry, I know this is disgusting, but this is the reality. I want to bring this into a scene 
and look into Muslims' eyes and tell them, what do you think? What type of prophet you're following? Are you gonna wake up, come back to reality, try to find the real God, or to keep following false gods and bringing us suicide bombers, trying to convert the entire world to this sick belief system, religion of peace. What peace you're talking about? What peace you're talking about? Now, after fighting terrorism 14 years, I knew that we were fighting a ghost. I know that my family is deeply involved, which is a good thing, because this will give me lots of credibility when I come out with a project like this. Just pray for us that God will strengthen us and protect us from extremist Muslims and extremist Christians as well. Do you believe that some Christians are threatened by the vision that God gives me sometimes to a level that they go slander me publicly? I just pray for them and God forgive them for every bad word that they said against me. Jesus Christ came to liberate us from religion. In fact, if there was any authority that crucified him, it was the authority of religious people. Keep this in mind. His biggest enemy at that time were the teachers of the law. Whenever you read the Bible and you come across the word the teachers of the law, think about all the prophets of our age, the ones who understand the Bible the most and teach it. And ask yourself this question. If Jesus Christ come to challenge them and to tell them that whatever you're doing with my name is not for my sake. It's the sake of your selfish desires. The question, are they gonna crucify him again or not? Ask yourselves this question, ask ourselves this question. If Jesus Christ came to me right now and said, you know, young man, I think what you're saying is true, but I, I smell that you're doing this for your own agendas. Will I try to find a way to get rid of him? Maybe give him to the Romans to crucify him? This is a very important question that we ask ourselves to know where we are standing. Are we with Christ or against Christ? Do we understand who is Jesus Christ? I came to, uh, to follow Jesus Christ and I'm very disappointed to see all these denominations and interpretations of the word of God. Everybody trying to fit Christ into their agendas. They come first and God come last. I think God is going to do something in the church. Christianity as we know it today, let me tell you something. When I see the new generation here and there, everybody here looks young and beautiful. I'm telling you that Christianity is not going to survive the way it is now. Only Christ can survive. If we stick to Christianity, we will keep stumbling. Let's, let's be honest. When you look at the church, look at people inside the church and compare them to people outside of the church, do you see a huge difference? 
You know what's the difference? Only when we have Christ. That's the only difference. It's not about us coming to the church, trying to be part of a community, to fit, to find a wife, to find a husband, to find love from people. People will disappoint you. And when there is a stand for the truth, we take a stand with the majority. This is what we do usually. Today, we look at the church and big leaders, I'm not in a position to talk about names, but huge leaders who have millions of followers around the world are talking that the God of the Quran is the same as the God of the Bible. Now, here's the problem. In Germany, in 1933, when the Nazis rejected the Jewish people from the governmental institutions, the church ended up rejecting the Jewish believers of Christ from the church. And at some point, because the church leaders compromised with the Nazis, and they adopted some of their beliefs under national reasons or agendas. The reason was why there is a Church of England and we don't have a Church of Germany and the Nazi principles were national principles. So why don't we adopt these principles? It's a good thing. The church has to rule. The church has to be involved politically and care about the national problems. So part of that national agenda was reject the Jews. We don't need them in our churches. They can have their own churches. It's okay. One brave person, Friedrich Bonhoeffer, stood and he saw that this is going to end in a bad way. Less than 10 years after, I guess, the Holocaust happened. It's more than six million innocent, wonderful people were killed on the hands of Hitler and the Nazis. It started like an idea. Let's compromise with the devil, with the forces of darkness. Let's compromise with Muslims. It's okay, you know, you're majority right now, or you are the quarter population of Earth, so we can talk, we can reconcile, we worship the same God, we adopt some of your principles, you adopt some of our principles, and uh, at some point we're gonna have another Holocaust. This time 10 million Israelis are gonna die. Another Holocaust is gonna happen if we don't stop this. And we stop it, by exposing the truth and the real nature of Islam instead of compromising with it. That's part of my duty today. I am considered an extremist right now for to, to say this and politically incorrect, doubted by my brothers and my enemies, rejected by my family, disowned by my father. If I go to any Arab Muslim country, the first thing they do, they execute me. Here in America, I face deportation. I faced problems. I worked for Israel for 10 years, and Israelis don't, still don't believe that this really happened. And I'm asking myself, what can satisfy those people? How can you convince people? If God came here tonight and talked to you and said, I am Jesus Christ, 
how many of us are going to doubt him? So if people doubted God and people still doubt God, if I still doubt God, I'm not going to blame anybody if they doubt me. Please to keep your focus on Christ. We're living in a world that is full of deception. I am not here to create extremists. I'm telling you. Yes, I am talking about Islam in an extreme way because I don't want to see more blood and I've had seen enough to act. For you, as a new generation, your duty is not to go out and hate Muslims. But if you want to hate the ideology of Islam, you are more than welcome. Because I'm telling you that it is a sick ideology and we have to fight it. It's a tough fight because it's not against people. It is against ideas, incarnation of principles that will take lots of time and lots of energy and lots of work. But we have to unify our efforts behind Christ and fight it with his love. This is our only weapon that we have. And this is our hope. Thank you so much for being here tonight. And God bless you. I hope you were inspired by that message. Musab Youssef presented us with a stern warning regarding the threat of Islam and the need to meet the challenge upon us now. I want to encourage you to go to evidenceandanswers.org and listen to our past shows by our experts on Islam and read our articles so that you may be informed and equipped to meet the challenge of this religion. Check out our resources today and I encourage you to support this ministry with your prayer and financial support. So go to evidenceandanswers.org today. This is your host, Pat Zucaran, and I want to thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers. Evidence and Answers.